This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get on to the episode. Welcome to the Big Ed Idea Podcast, a podcast for those looking to change the world through education. Each week, we bring you a new idea, however big or bold it is, that has the potential to disrupt, upheave, or remix education. Now here's your host, our dad, Ryan Scott. Welcome back to the Big Ed Idea Podcast. Welcome back, listeners. Hey, it is so good to see you this morning or tonight or whenever you decide to hit that play button. Um, you are getting ready to listen to a pretty amazing podcast, if I don't say so myself. Not the podcast, but the guest. Uh, I've been trying to get this dude on for a couple of months, and he's booked solid. So we are doing it in the middle of a Sunday afternoon. Um, I am super excited to welcome Mr. C.J. Reynolds. Uh, first off, I want you to know this guy is a real dude. He is a dad. He is a husband. He is a dog dad. He is the author of Teach Your Class Off and the creator and host of the YouTube channel Real Rap with Reynolds, which now has over 72,000 subscribers. Holy mama. Uh, CJ, welcome to the Big Ed Idea Podcast. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks for, look, thanks for even doing something like this. It's this thing that it's so needed. So uh, I appreciate it. I appreciate it a lot. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you, you could probably uh, sympathize like this, like um, in every school across the world, there is that copier. And when teachers meet up at the copier, they love to throw down these ideas, uh, sometimes out of earshot from their administrators or people mm. that might shoot it down. And they're just talking about, hey, maybe, you know, I have a better way of doing it, or let's try this. And I really wanted to give and create a space for people to just throw those ideas out. Um, I'm a big Simon Sinek dude. And he says, it does take everybody's idea. Everybody does not have to have the big idea. But sometimes it takes connecting the passion of one with the idea of another to get this avalanche of awesomeness rolling downhill. And so that's what I'm trying to do. So CJ, well, thank you for being here with your idea. I'm I'm stoked to do it, man. Let's 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 hit it. Okay, okay. So what I always love to do first for my listeners, um I know you will agree with me cuz cuz I cuz I know you and I've seen your work in action, but you are a big connections person as I am. And um to to me, I never want to start a class just diving into the content. So I want our listeners to understand, let's connect with our students first. So I want to know who this C.J. Reynolds guy is outside of education, and then we'll bring education back in. Sounds good. Let's do it. Okay. okay. So the first thing I like to do is, what are three words that describe your present reality? So, you know, it was it, you gave me this question ahead of time, and it was kind of hard to pare down. Um so I think at the moment, it is this idea of creating rhythms in my life, which is something I often try and do in the classroom as well. Um, so not like, not, I mean, I schedule a lot, but I'm not trying to put always systems. It's like trying to create like a rhythm that feels yeah. that feels more natural to me. 
it's then finding ways to to optimize those rhythms over time so I can maximize because you know look you're trying to do this and you're yeah. in the school building and you know all the other hats that you right. wear so right. trying to find ways to optimize that to the best of my ability because ultimately in life just like in the classroom when you can optimize those rhythms you create this flow that almost feels effortless and is enjoyable instead of like having all these kind of like it's not so rigid. It's it's this kind of like, I don't know, it just feels, it feels better. It feels like I'm flowing through my day and I have all these systems in place that have been optimized over time. And it kind of brings a sense of harmony to my life like, and to my like classroom that. also. I, li I like the musical references, the rhythm, the harmony, the flow. Huh, keep it up. Awesome. So yeah, I could, go, that's a whole rabbit hole I could go down. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So Next, I, I, I guess I'll let me give you my word. Um, so my word right now is um, adapt. Um, I am on spring break. I go back to school tomorrow. But I had this four day um, me experience mapped out where I was going to go out into the woods on Wednesday morning and hike 60 miles and come back Saturday night. Um, just my dog and I in southern Illinois. Well, third Friday morning, I woke up, started checking the weather, and they were calling for tornadoes, severe thunderstorms, right exactly where I was hiking towards. I had a 17-mile day. So that that part of me that was like, you know, that man in me was like, no, I'm going to do it. And if I was probably in my 20s, I probably would have. But mm. I've really learned that sometimes it's okay to tweak your plan and go a different direction. Um, and so I called up my guy and he picked me up and drove me home. And good thing I did because tornadoes hit around that area. So my word is adapt. Yeah. It's so I, that's so hard to do. Oh yeah. I think, like, especially the older you get, like oh, I yeah. find um, in, in creating all these sort of like systems in my life and stuff. And even in my classroom, right. You, you create these things that you, want to subscribe to like, like you check the box. I got this lesson created or I have this life plan created. And then when you, when someone rattles that, that can be a really difficult thing. And, and so I think, you know, it's, it's about creating that adaptability into it as well. I think that's why I like rhythms. Yeah. Um, I grew up a drummer. So when you play with someone, um, you have to be able to, to kind of move with their, their speed, their excitement, their, you know, their mood uh, and, and kind of move with that. And and yeah. so, yeah, I think that makes total word. sense, total sense. And, and here's an aside. Um, I myself was a drummer in a punk band for about five months. It was really just me and two of my friends that would get together in my apartment and play as loud and as fast as we could. Um, yep. You know, MXPX, um, mainly MXPX references. But uh, yeah, that was me back in my 21, 21-ish years, yeah, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. My, my next question for you actually has to do with music. I'm a huge music guy. Um, I've got a song for everything. My students know if they say something just right, I might come back with a music lyric. Um, but who is your top hip hop artist of all time? Tribe Called Quest, hands down. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I would see. For me, it's KRS One. Yeah. 
No, I did. Uh, I was real into Boogie Down Productions uh, yeah. in high school. Tribe Called Quest, for some reason, felt like something was the first thing that different. It wasn't, it, and it wasn't so, so foreign from me. There were yeah. aspects of 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 culture, of um, experience that I felt like, oh, man, I know it. I can feel that or I identify with that. And so that was that was one of the groups at first. And just their this almost kind of like laid back flow. It was just yeah. incredible. Yeah. yeah. So always for me. Absolutely, man. Okay. Um, and then my next question, what is the talent that you wish you had? Oh, man, I wish I could either play piano, which I started doing during the uh, I bought a piano during COVID. Okay. Um, and uh, or dance like really, really well. I cannot dance. I still dance, but it is like it looks like a really, really side. bad just took, <laughs> took the dance floor. So okay. it's, it's not good. Well, my listeners can't see this, but I am in my piano room. Um, mm. I play the piano. Well, I grew up playing the piano. I play the banjo. Um, I did a diddle with the drums. Um, but my talent, man, if I had a pill that I could take, um, that cause I can't do, I can't play by ear. I can read mm. it. I can read the music, but man, to be one of those jokesters that can just pick up an instrument and just, I would love that. Yeah. I, you know, for me, the piano, everywhere you go, and if you start to look for this, you'll you'll notice it. There are lonely pianos everywhere in people's houses, <laughs> in an airport, in a bar, sure. in some restaurant. And I had an uncle that would find those lonely pianos and just play them anywhere that he was. And it was just made this kind of magical moment That's for anyone that was around. And so I've always wanted to just be able to like have a handful of songs, be able to sit down, <laughs> bust them out, and the place is better they than when I got there. Just get up and walk away. Yeah, that's it. I just want to sprinkle some magic and I'm out the door. So I love it. I I like that. Okay. So uh, CJ, what questions did you bring to the table? So this, this stacks. So my first one is what are your three favorite movies of all time? Three favorite movies of all time. Okay. Um, I think number one, Boondock Saints. Um, Number two would have to be, (laughs) um, is going to sound very silly but um bed knobs and broomsticks it was an old disney movie yeah Landberry. my daughters hate it because i've watched it so many times with them <laughs> They're, i'm like hey girls it's another night for oh okay so boondock saints uh broom do- uh bed knobs and broomsticks and then i think my third one is it's a wonderful life i watch it every christmas eve after the girls go to bed um, and my wife goes to bed and, and I sit and watch it with a glass of bourbon and just reflect on it's a wonderful life. That's awesome. So, so yeah. here, so this is a little bit more introspective, but what, what do those three movies say about the educator that you are? Ooh. We're still on air, folks. We're just thinking. <laughs> yeah, we're just thinking. So, okay, so it's a wonderful life. Um, for me, so how can I relate that to education? Um, I think the story of It's a Wonderful Life is that um, you know, the protagonist forgets about how wonderful things are because there are some rockiness along the way, you know. And I think um as an educator, sometimes it's easy 
to get bogged down in the negative. I think, and 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 I've really started to see this a lot in our special ed meetings. We focus so much on the negatives of the student that we we forget that there's this amazing, wonderful kid. Um, and, and a lot of the times, if if you will take the time to to sit and talk to the student, you will see that this student is is um, overcoming things that you and I could never overcome. So. I think we need to do a better job of focusing on the the wonderfulness of our students. Yeah. Um, Boondock Saints. Okay, this is going to be a hard one. <laughs> uh, so for no for for those out there that don't know Boondock Saints, Boondock Saints takes place in Boston. A, a, a couple brothers go on a spree of taking out really bad guys um, in Boston, and so. What I also like about that is the soundtrack has a lot of really good um, flogging Molly and some other cool soundtrack, but maybe it's just that we need to be looking for things in the education system that just don't work and that everybody knows does not work. And the only reason we are still doing it is because it's always been done um, like the start and end time, like uh, the traditional six, seven periods, um, like algebra two in high school, um, you know, some of those things that 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 we know and that higher ed people say is just ridiculous that we're still doing it. And then my last one, bed knobs and broomsticks, that whole movie is just fun. And I think I, I told my students this all the time. You can't learn unless you're having fun. Um, and in fact, I had, which this is crazy. I, I'm at a traditional school and I tried to make it fun. And I was told by somebody outside of the building that your 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 building was not supposed to be fun, which I think was completely contradictory to our mission and purpose. So that movie tells me let's have fun. Awesome. I love it. I always say that that's like fun is the F word that you're not allowed to use in school, really. Um, so, yeah, I've gotten I've gotten in plenty of trouble for having fun. And uh, yeah, so whatever. OK. OK, so now that I know a little bit more about who this CJ guy is, um, the one question that I love to ask, especially for guys or, or gals that come to the show that that do things a little bit differently. And I think you do things a little bit differently, which is what we need. Um, what is your origin story? How did education find you? I think, you know, it's kind of convoluted, but if I really simplified it, um, I think it starts with my mom in when I was in high school decided to become a foster parent. And so we, uh, I was against this. I did not want, like, I didn't know what that was going to entail. I didn't know what that was going to look like. So my mom started taking in kids as an emergency placement um, that were anyone that was younger than my brother. So my brother was about 12 at the time. So anyone younger than my brother was was welcomed into our house. And we had a whole host of kids from all different backgrounds, all different situations come and live with us. And up to like five and six at a time uh, yeah. live with us. And so I think that planted a seed that I didn't really think about because I, I never wanted, I was never like, going to be a teacher when I was in school. I I, I had zero interest in, I, the only reason I went to school was because my Ditto. friends were there. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so 
Then I thought I wanted to be a drummer and did that for a long time and like toured with some people and like were on like, you know, played on albums and stuff like that, but nothing, nothing like big deal. I started to feel like I did not want to live that lifestyle. Sure. So I switched to thinking about becoming so that like, like becoming a drummer wasn't going to make my parents worried enough. (laughs) I said, I think I actually want to be a clown. So I started training to be a clown and I didn't want to be a clown like in the circus. I wanted to be a clown um, that there were these different groups that went to developing countries where you would visit hospitals where kids were alone. And so my wife and I actually went to Africa. I had trained all this, done all this stuff and went and found uh, we worked at at an AIDS clinic in Zambia and just tried to make kids days better. And so did that for a little while. Um, and then I thought I wanted to be a priest. So I went, I came to Kentucky and I stayed in a monastery after reading, uh, Thomas Merton's seven story mountain, and then stayed at a, at a monastery there. And then realized that how much I loved my, my girlfriend at the time. And that these two things couldn't go together. Right. Someone, when I came home, someone said, you know, you should be a teacher. And I thought that is ridiculous. Why would I want to be a teacher? And then the more I sat with it, the more it was like, all of these things I had always been doing anyway. So like, it was like being on stage, it was being, um, you know, a jackass in public and it was yeah. caring for people on the margins that I just, it was like this, all of the things I thought about doing previously all kind of built in together. Oh yeah. And so that was kind of, that was my like, kickoff into even dreaming about education and then once i started down that rabbit hole it was a wrap and i knew this is exactly where i need to be and the work that i need to be doing so yeah Dude, i love that story because it the type of teacher that i can tell you are takes from these different things you know and and for me some of the best educators i've ever seen are the ones that do it the non-traditional way um, and particularly the ones that can um, connect with our non-traditional students. Um, you know, I I myself did not graduate till I was 27. And the only reason I did honestly became a teacher was for the summers off because I became a dad very, very early and I needed to grow up quickly. Um, and the only thing that I knew of was education because my mom was a teacher. And I was like, that's a good job for a dad. So I jumped into it and figured out, you know, I had always had this yearning to change the world. And my first time I got into the classroom, I'm like, there it is. That's how I changed the world. So I get it, man. I get it. And I love coming back to that. And I love telling my students every day, you don't have to have it figured out. You'll you'll get yeah. there. You know, you'll get there. And, and, you know, real quick, Ryan, to that point. So I didn't start teaching until I was 27. And I thought that was so late, right? Like, yeah. it, which is almost laughable now, right? So it's, it is, but there are folks that are thinking about going into education that are much older than, you know, the 22 year old version of them. And to me, it is like all that was cross training, right? Yes. So like the playing in bands and the touring and the monastery and, and being in Africa and practicing clowning where I would have hundreds of balloon animals all over my floor. My girlfriend would come home and be like, what is wrong? You <laughs> are a weirdo. But this all became cross training yeah. for this thing that then I felt was my mission to go and do. 
And yeah. so, yeah, I just think that, you know, it's not too late. You are, I, 22 year old me had no place in the classroom and, and no place leading around kids. kids. Yeah, <laughs> no. it was, I had to grow into that version of myself to be able to do the work. Yeah. And so, okay. So this is what I love when, when these like um, stories that we're telling kind of lead us exactly where we need to go, be going. And, and this episode is really going to be focused on teacher retention. Um, so, you know, what we can do to keep keep our teachers, because we know um, the state of teacher retention is pretty abysmal uh, mm-hmm. right now. And um, so I know the problem is teacher retention. So, CJ, what is your big idea? I think it's twofold. I think one teachers have to feel supported and in in a in real life not just on paper not this is how we do it so when we we had uh, I my school that I left in June we had I think it was six principals in the last three years and my aunt my question for every single new yeah. administration I mean it like so this was like principal vice principal dean of students every the whole admin team switched out. And my answer, my question for every single one of them coming in was, how do we plan on making this a place where teachers feel supported? And right. I'm telling you, no one ever had a very good answer. It was like kind of wishy-washy. There's always a plan in place for how we're going to support students. And maybe that sure. is true or not true. But it there's, it, but teachers, it's like, how can you feel supported and actually cared for as a human being, not just as an educator? And so- what that looks like is, to me, it's I have I haven't thought it would be interesting. Like I mean, they they make you have all these like meetings all the time in, in education all the time. Um, yeah, and and some of them, most of them, I would say, could probably just be an email. But what if we had meetings that were like, here's like we're gonna give. Um, I, th- I thought it would be the biggest failure, like the biggest loser kind of a uh, an award. But maybe we could change the language on that. But what I'm getting at is that this idea where someone had an idea. And maybe it didn't work out, but man, that was a great, that was like a great idea. And you tried something. And even though it didn't work out, we're celebrating effort. We're celebrating thinking outside the box. We're celebrating people trying things and not being so scared that, oh my gosh, what if I get a bad mark on my record? Maybe I get, um, maybe this doesn't go well. And like the kids get too loud or it gets a little bit out of control. And so supporting people through that. I think it's part of it. And then this other piece that ties into that is allowing teachers more autonomy and saying yes to them more. Right. So I um, often have had to operate on, on the model of, uh, of asking for forgiveness (laughs) or permission. And so if you look at like my classroom, for instance, I had this completely customized classroom and I did all that at night when no one was at the school anymore. We were allowed to be in the school whenever we wanted. Every teacher sure. had a key. And so I would put up floating bookshelves. I built this like nine, 10 foot driftwood tree that I drug into my classroom. And if I'd asked, can I put a 10 foot driftwood tree in my classroom? I'm probably going to get a no. So I just built it. And I'm not yeah. saying that everyone should like go against their their admin or whatever. But I had a feeling that if I put it in there, it, it would be all right. And, and it was good for kids. Them. Oh, yeah. It, and it, like it created I created a classroom that felt more like Willy Wonka's chocolate factory where there's a sense of wonder, the sense of yeah. like never quite knowing what's going to show up or how we're going to do something or where we're going to go or what we're going to do or who's going to visit. And it 
what it started doing was my admin would come in and they, my room became the place where anytime there was a visitor, they came to my room. And right. so then it was because I kept trying these little weird things. I started building this sense of like, well, we, no one knows what Reynolds is going to do ever. So it's like, going take whether it's taking your kids outside or having a speaker come to your classroom or taking a classroom trip that's going to allow exposure to students that don't get exposure to damn near anything right. um, of value outside of the classroom. It is trying to create these moments for students. So, but that comes at autonomy. That comes at saying yes more to teachers that think I have this idea that might help these students or this kid. Can we say yes to that? I, I yeah. think that's that's part of it. Yeah, yeah. So a couple of reflections on that. There was a I, one of the things I'm really interested in is in innovation and and how we can innovate and how we can um, create spaces where our teachers um, aren't afraid to fail and they do have autonomy. I, I watched this TED talk of this um, CEO of some company, and every employee every year was given a I'm going to not say the word, but a F up card. And yep, yep. they had to use that card by the end of the year mm -hmm. or they'd be fired. So he was trying to create a spot uh, where people were trying new things. If they effed up, all they had to do was walk to the boss and give them the card. And it was OK because they tried something new. Yep. Um, and then my second thing, autonomy. I'll tell you, um, Daniel Pink's Drive was the first book that I really read where he started talking about mastery, purpose and autonomy as far as motivation. Recently, I've started to, to get into this uh, self-determination theory, which talks about um, competence, autonomy, and relatedness is the way to motivate um, our, ourselves to be the best that we can. Mm -hmm. And I totally agree with you, CJ. Like, can we please stop hiring professionals and then treating them like they are hourly workers? Yes. You know? Yes. Yeah. It, it is this idea of, of, you know, you, you get these folks that are, they're so hopeful. They're so excited. They want to come in and do the work. And then you become a cog in the machine, right? You're given yep. the scripted curriculum. You're told exactly what to say, when to say it, how to deal with every single thing. When there are no, there's no one way in education. There, right. has, you don't know there can't be. Yeah, no. And, and, and so where I teach, as opposed to where you teach, where where your students are coming from, what they've been through, what they're going through at the moment, there are all these variables and 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 what are our kids interested in? And so there's all these other variables that we have to look at from year to year to be able to adapt, going back to your word, and and pivot and shift the class a bit to be able to teach the kids that are showing up today and not thinking about the, Oh, this is the way we taught kids 30 years ago. Why isn't this working anymore? Yeah. It's like, of course it doesn't. That, Cause that's not how years culture ago. works. Yeah. <laughs> Actually uh, my favorite tattoo is my motto that I kind of live by and that's evolve or die that. Mm -hmm. And it's just this, this uh, idea that if we're not constantly evolving based on life, we're going to become irrelevant very, very quickly. Um, yes, yes. And I think, and I, and people, especially higher ups don't like to hear this, but I think our education system in many ways has become irrelevant, um, especially to our students, like you said, that come in with no prior knowledge, with come in with no life experiences, um, especially with the research that's coming out 
showing us that comprehension has very little to do with if you can read it and mostly about your life experiences. Um, so, yeah, I completely agree with you, man. Teachers must feel supported. Um, you had alluded to another idea that you had other than being supported. What was another way that we could increase teacher retention? You know, I think it's when we remember that we're that teaching is a communal activity. Yeah. That we have to be doing this together. Yeah. I think that that just if one, it makes things more fun and it makes things you can survive a bad day, a bad moment when you feel like folks are supporting you, that they have your back, that they know really who you are. They don't just know you at school, but there's this, been this connection built outside of that because I think we focus on students so much. And although I think education is only ever about students, we are the team that is going to stick through this. And then next year we have a new class and the next sure. year we have a new class. Sure. The kids sure. are coming and going on a revolving door, hopefully. And we need to know that we need to have this core set of values of a way that we're dealing with things, of a way that we're caring for one another and dealing with one another and helping one another and and having difficult conversations. That is going to be this process that makes being at school great because you work with great people that are doing great things where I think education is often the opposite. It is yes. sitting in my room, I do my thing, I don't really talk to other people. I'm so busy that there's not even a moment to do right. that with. Right. And then a lot of jealousy over whose class is better and what your Test class scores. Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Too, yeah. And oh, so no. it's all that stuff where if we realize that we really need to be doing this together, like we're the Avengers or something like that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Is it just a better model? And it's going to help teachers to feel cared for, seen, worked through things with it it creates a culture that you don't want to leave even that's though right. the state of education is tricky right now that's right that's right here in here in the midwest i don't know what if they say this out in east we call those silos teaching in silos uh because you know farming there's those grain silos yeah dotted around um something i'm very fond of saying is that teaching is not a competitive sport and we should not be treating it like a competitive sport. So I, I completely agree, man. I, I don't know about you, but I spend more time at school with other people's kids and with other people a lot of the time than I do with my own family. So mm -hmm. by golly, if I'm going to be there, I'm going to enjoy it. Um, I never understood people coming to work and, and not trying to enjoy it. You know what I mean? I'm gotcha. I'm always that positive guy, sometimes annoyingly positive, but that's just because, like you said, it it is a communal activity. Um, I hearken back to um, there was a time when the two most revered people in a in a society were the priests and the teachers, and it was because those two people carried on the values of society, and we've definitely gotten away from that. Yeah, I think. We have, and there's this sort of sense of like, it just sucks now, right? It's yes. going to just suck forever instead of, I think, sometimes asking the question of what would this look like if it was awesome, right? right. Just asking that question, because I don't know that anyone ever, you know, and this is like, I mean, the same idea that I use in business is like starting with starting at the end. So like, what would this look like if it was great? And right. then can we reverse engineer that to figure Absolutely. out how can we get closer to that? And I don't know that we do that enough. I think we have this, it's like, what would it look like if it was great? Is it just look like it, 
if this was awesome, does it just look like kids are quiet? Kids are right. just doing their work. Kids are just That's handing right. in their homework. You're just like downloading information into their brains. Does it really? Or does this look like a more dynamic, exciting activity yeah. than just mailing it in every day? <laughs> yeah. And that's a whole other show that we can talk about. Yeah. Yeah. For, um, for sure. <laughs> for sure. And you know what? I would love to have you back on sometime to talk about, uh, especially your your ideas of making it more relevant, the, the classroom more relevant, because I love that idea because um, my understanding is, is that you created this whole English curriculum based off of hip hop. Was that, is that right? Yeah. History of hip hop, uh, to teach all the things that were in the curriculum, but through a lens of something that my kids actually cared about. Yes. That's cool. I say it all the time. Like you can, if you really think about it, we can teach anything we want to and then put standards into it. So like, if you come into that classroom, like me, I'm extremely passionate about hiking. Um, I'm very passionate about the outdoors. So if I take those things that I'm really interested in into my classroom and then build those standards off of those, my excitement is going to transfer to my students. I think to take that a slightly different path, one of the things that I started doing really was like, like really focusing on what are my kids talking mm. about? What are they interested in? For sure, and for then, sure. And then I have to take that step into their world of for stuff sure. that I quite often do not care about, right? I right. don't, I am not, I don't watch anime. I haven't read a comic book since I was like 15 years old. Um, I don't really watch sports, but I started watching football because my students, the first time the Eagles were in the Super Bowl, like a handful of years ago, um, and to start watching things that my students were interested in. And then it was my job to say, you know what? Like the short story of the sniper is a lot like Fortnite. There's a lot of references in there that we can connect to Fortnite or to Call yeah. of Duty or something like that. And it is, it's not a more. It's, so here's my thing real quick to Ryan. It's not about doing more. It's just about doing things differently. Sure. And so once you start entering into that world, I mean, it, first of all, blows kids' minds that you're 40 something years old and you know anything about <laughs> yeah. anything they're watching. They're like, wait, yeah. what? You know, Fortnite? It's like, bro, I know f more Fortnite references than anyone <laughs> that's my age that doesn't live in their mom's basement. Like, yeah. Yeah. And then, and what's funny, I don't know about you, when I come home and I'm talking to my own kids about some of these things, my kids make fun of me so much. They're like, oh, yeah. dad, you're 42. I'm like, yeah. So I hang out with yeah. kids all day. Yeah. And that's it. Like you should wish your teachers were looking into this stuff because, you know, if in my ninth grade year, when I was learning like figurative language, if they connected any of that stuff to any Tribe Called Quest song, I would have been, it would have sure. blown my mind and I would have sure. cared. If they told me that the Odyssey, the hero's journey in the Odyssey was basically the same thing that was happening in Star Wars, it's over. I would have yeah. been locked in, but no one ever did. And so yeah. I hated the Odyssey growing up. Yeah. And so it is about those connection points. I think you're absolutely right for students that makes things come alive and makes you want to come to class. Yeah, that's awesome, man. And, and to bring that back home, um, this teacher retention idea, I, I love your ideas about we got to support our folks. Um, some, and, and I like to say sometimes being kids first is being teacher first. Um, so taking care of our teachers ultimately takes care of our kids. Um, and then I love that the second thing you said, that teaching is a communal activity. 
absolutely. We've, it's got to be a place of uh, safety. Where you, I mean, the same thing, Maslow's. Maslow's hierarchy. Our teachers have to have the same thing. They got to feel supported. They got to feel safe. Um, they got to feel loved, valued, blah, 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 blah. Um, but then the last one that you didn't really say, but you kind of said is we just got to let our teachers be themselves. Oh, yes. Yeah. And and I think teachers have to feel safe to be that too, right? There's nothing worse than a teacher that is not funny trying to be funny or a <laughs> teacher that is not mean trying to be mean sure, or, or vice versa, right? right? So it is allowing teachers to, there's no... It's, it goes back. It's like there's no one way to eat a Reese's. There's no one way to do classroom management. There's no one one way to teach a lesson. And so I often tell folks that come into my class or that I go and speak at schools, like maybe take inspiration from what I'm saying. But if this looks like or sounds like something you just it doesn't work because you're not that person. So like I carry a, a bubble microphone around with me in the hallway and I interview kids that are late to class, right? So you're walking down the hallway. Tell me why you're late. I could say, <laughs> come on, hurry up, everybody. Come on, get to class. Just, you're screwing around the hallway. And I could do that whole speech. Or I could go, oh, here they come again. Hey, Tom, Tom, real quick. Why are you late to class? Or what does it feel like to be late to class every single day? And then hold the <laughs> microphone out. And I'm telling you that most kids don't want to even do, they're like, oh my God, Reynolds, leave me alone. And they will hurry up and go to class because they don't want to listen to me do this. And so there are just different ways. But if we allow teachers to explore who they might be and try things, and when it doesn't work out, like revisit them with them and mentor them through those sorts of things. I think teachers, when you start being who you are, not being afraid to do it and finding that that's your superpower, like what are you bringing? That I think is something really, really special. We don't need, you know, to make another Avengers reference. We don't need Thor to put on the Iron Man suit, right? It's not, right. Jam, it's not what you do, right? right? We need you to be Thor and let Iron Man be Iron Man. But then together, when we work together, it creates this incredible community of people that are really helping students to reach high levels of success. Absolutely. And then my last point to this before we start to, to fade out, uh, fade into black, um, so to speak, um, we just we really don't have that luxury anymore. And maybe I don't even think it was a luxury of hiring people and making them fit this mold. Like mm -hmm. we don't have that luxury anymore. Uh, the, the, the numbers of people that are going into the, the teacher field is dwindling. So there's got to be people have to be able to come in and we've got to let them be themselves because we can't force them out because nobody else is coming. Yes. But, and I think the, the kind of tricky piece to that is this fear of like, what if they don't, what if someone being themselves is not a good fit for our school? And so I think it's about one, creating a culture where it's going to feel, so it's like this, when you're, when you're at a wedding and you're, you know, I'm one of the first people, I think weddings are like proms for adults. I'm like one of the first people on the dance floor, right? Me and my wife. And I just am going for it, right? Because I realized I got a babysitter. That's right. Bar, it's game on tonight, right? That's so let's right. get it. So, and it's awkward when you are the first few people on the dance floor, right? But as the you get the right song and everyone gets on the dance floor, now you're the oddball out if you're standing against That's the right. wall still, right? right? Now that becomes weird. 
think if we can create a culture where we are putting kids first, we are caring for our teachers, we are applauding people for trying new things, we are giving autonomy, people are trying stuff and, and working with one another, and it is this incredible community of folks that are working in, in synchronicity with one another, for someone to come into that and to be a curmudgeon, you feel awkward. Oh, it yeah, doesn't sure. even feel like a place you want to be. For sure. So, so although we are allowing people to be who they are, it is helping folks to be the best part of themselves too, sure. right? So holding teachers to high standards. Um, and then I think what that also does is it helps us to make more rule, less rules in the workplace. Uh, I used to work with a guy that was late all the time. I mean, late, late, late. Like his students would be standing in the hallway with a locked classroom door and that created chaos every day. So instead of addressing it with this gentleman, the school just changed their lateness policy. And it was like, wait, wait, why is everyone Come else on now? Stuff? You know what I mean? Like, it's like now where you have to change a whole policy because someone is doing this thing. And I've been in that situation a lot of times. So I think back to your point, it's learning how to have these difficult conversations with folks to help them grow into the teacher that they are called to be and not just, you know, kind of settling with, with who shows up or something like that. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Okay, Mr. CJ, um, I'm going to start to dwindle us down, like I said, because we have been together for about 50 minutes today. Uh, we have put a lot of information out into the airwaves or the internet or whatever, whatever it is. Um, and we've talked a lot about teacher retention. And my prayer is always that uh, Secretary Miguel Cordona will hear one of these episodes. And so just imagine you are in, let's just say you're in New York City, you step into an elevator and there's Secretary Cordona. Um, give us a 60-second elevator pitch that you would tell him about why we need to increase teacher retention. We are, it is our duty as educators to create environments for our students to become the to become the folks that they dream of having. It's helping right. students have a have a vision of what their future is, helping them to dream as big as possible, but then actually implementing steps uh, and processes that are going to help unlock the greatness that's already in them so that they can be those people. And so if we really want to affect change, then we have to create schools that are going to be allowed to be those change-making spaces and places yep. for people. And so by empowering teachers, we're actually empowering young people, which is actually, I think it just solves, it just makes the world a whole better place if we do something to that effect. Amen. Amen. And Secretary Cordona, I hope uh, one day you will get a copy of this podcast and I can get you on. Um, but CJ, man, it has been a ton of fun today. I want to make sure that I give you a couple moments to to talk about how uh Folks can get a hold of you because I know you do professional development as well. Um, and if you can talk about your book, Teacher Class Off, um, and yeah. then real quick about your YouTube video too. Yeah, uh, look, I mean, so everything we've created as part of our business, Real Rap with Reynolds, is really um, things that I wish existed when I started teaching and things that our audience and our community have asked for. So Teacher Class Off is the book I wish I had been able to read when I got into education because I feel like it would have helped me. Just ordered it. $17.99 on Amazon. Yeah, it's on it's on sale right now. So um <laughs> the and so, you know, 
doing professional developments and professional developments that look, I'm going to tell you right now, I have gotten out of almost every professional development I've ever been in um, because they just fake phone calls because they just don't ever seem relevant. They don't ever seem like they're they that it's something that's empowering to me that I can walk into the classroom tomorrow, implement these strategies and feel like I have a better grasp and that my students are going to do better. So the professional developments that we try and do and the keynoting and all that sort of thing are all there to build help teachers unlock the greatness that's already in them so that they can be great for their students. And that's the YouTube stuff that we put out is all with that singular focus of how do we help teachers be who they're called to be. And you can find all that stuff just by going to realwrapwithreynolds.com or just Google CJ Reynolds. And it's either me or Ryan Reynolds at this point pop up. That's it. That's uh, yeah. So what you're saying is you were not Deadpool. No, uh, no, I'm, I, I, maybe that's sarcastic sometimes though, <laughs> to my detriment. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, man. It has been a ton of fun this evening, this, whenever it is. Um, I really appreciate you. I appreciate that you are doing things differently, um, that you are being CJ in the classroom and not just, uh, some teacher that somebody told you you needed to be, you are becoming the te- you are the teacher that your kids need you to be. Um, so thank you, man, for your heart. Um, you know, I, th- I think you had said at one point you wanted to be a priest. Well, man, you are serving every single day and you are, um, I like to say, walk the gospel. Um, and I'm not to get all kinds of um, religious-y out here, but man, you are walking the gospel every day. And so I just appreciate you and uh, what you're doing. I say the same thing back to you, man. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh For my listeners of the Big Ed Idea Podcast, once again, I want to say thank you for donating your gift of time to me. Um, You know, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate each of you for clicking that play button. As always, if you have a big idea that you want to reach out, please reach out to me. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Just look me up. You can find me. Um, And in the the words, I'm going to leave us in the words of the immortal John Janoski, who was my grandfather, who uh, worked in a steel mill, aluminum mill, for 40 years. And every day that I would go see him, when I would leave, he would say, Ryan, until next time, I will see you in the funny paper. Thank you for hanging out with me here on the Big Ed Idea Podcast. My hope is that this would be a conversation, a meeting of the minds and a space for one person's vision to inspire the passions of another. However, none of this can happen without you. So let's be change agents together and build a better future. Please subscribe or reach out to me on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Come to the conversation with your passion and together let's build something awesome. Until next time, I'll see you in the funny paper.